This special bonus podcast is called, Is It Inconsistent When God Sends His Son, Jesus Christ, to Save Us? But in the books of Joshua, Judges, and First and Second Samuel, some people have consequences where they die. I felt led to do this research because there are some who try to dissuade others from believing in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because he has punished people over time where some people have died. Having read the Bible from cover to cover many times, I wanted to research specifically to see if these consequences were unwarranted, as they suggest. To do this research, I will use the New King James Version of the Bible, also known as NKJV, and internet resources as needed. Since the Bible sometimes uses the word him and the word he within the same verse, I will include who is speaking and who is being spoken to within brackets if I determine it's beneficial for clarity. Additionally, I will put my analysis, comments, observations, and conclusions within brackets as well. For those who would like to read this research or previous biblical research projects in their entirety, you can go to either of these two blogs I felt led to create. Biblical Proof, found at https colon double backslash, Biblical Proof, B-I-B-L-I-C-A-L-P-R-O-O-F dot blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com, or Do Biblical Inconsistencies Really Matter? You can find that at https colon double backslash, Biblical Inconsistencies, B-I-B-L-I-C-A-L-I-N-C-O-N-S-I-S-T-E-N-C-I-E-S dot blogspot, B-L-O-G, SPOT.com. Note, at times, the same event will be in two different books of the Old Testament. In that case, I will analyze that event most often in only one of the books of the Bible, so the research is not repetitious. Also within brackets, the thing is, God gives us choices. We can choose to follow him and his statutes, but when we don't, there are consequences. He most often explains what he expects or wants, and has prophets that will do this for him. But there is also the alternative for those who worship idols, live wickedly, and leave others lead others astray. Although those listening to this on the podcast can't tell on the blogs that I mentioned, I will have the portions highlighted in yellow that shows God's compassion and the negative consequences of their choices in green, and when they are warned in turquoise. Note, God often uses prophets to warn people of their poor choices, but regardless, God has already shared the Ten Commandments with the statutes to not worship idols or false gods as well. Joshua 5 through 6 says, For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness, while all the people who were men of war who had come out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not Show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers, that he would give us land flowing with with milk and honey. Um, Within brackets, I have, sorry, um, I have this shows God's follow through, shows God followed through on the consequence to those who chose not to follow God to the promised land. I mean, they worship false idols. They make a calf out of, they had Aaron make a calf out of gold. And so they had the consequence of not following God. Joshua 6, 18 through 16. 
And you, by all means, abstain from the cursed things, lest you become a curse when you take of the cursed things and make the camp of Israel curse and trouble it. But all the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Verse seven, chapter 7, verses 10 through 13 goes on to say, So the Lord says to Joshua, Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the cursed thing and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed thing from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Within brackets, I have Joshua tells the Israelites to not take the accursed things and the consequence of doing so. Unfortunately, they took the accursed things and hid it, and God is turning his back on the Israelites unless they destroyed the accursed thing. Joshua 9, 14 through 15 says, Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them, to let them live, and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Chapter 9, verse 18 goes on to say, But the children of Israel did not attack them, because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation complained against the rulers. Within brackets, I have God had warned the Israelites to not join with other countries, because they had false gods that might corrupt them. They had a choice to make, but they didn't ask God first and were tricked by the rulers and made a covenant with them. Joshua 23 verses 6 through 8 says, Therefore be very courteous, courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you. You shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. Chapter 23, verses 12 through 13 goes on to say, Or else, if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain among you, and make marriages with them, and go into them, and they to you know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you. For they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your side and thorns on your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Chapter 23 verse 16 further says, When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God which he commanded you and have gone and served other gods and bound down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. Within brackets, I have Joshua reminds the Israelites that they have a choice and lets them know what will happen if they don't abide by the laws of Moses and not worshiping uh, and start worshiping other gods. Joshua 24 verses 19 through 23 says, but Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord for he is 
a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. And this is an aside. When it says he's a jealous God, it means he doesn't want them to be worshiping false idols, false gods. So they, they use jealous in that term. Okay. He will not forgive your transgression nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord God of Israel. Within brackets, I have, they had a choice because Joshua reminds the Israelites again that God will turn from them if they serve other gods and idols. And the Israelites agreed to serve God. Judges 2 verses 10 through 15 says, When the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, which are a foreign god, an idol, they, or idols, they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them and they Provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreth. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them. And he sold them to the hands of their enemies all around. So they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was, was against them for calamity. As the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn to them, they were greatly distressed. Chapter 2, verses 16 through 22 goes on to say, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. So it's saying they, God had them warned, not turn to false gods, but they did it. So they had the consequence, he said. But he felt bad for them, so he had judges come to help them turn back to him but instead they turned away from him so it is like when they turn away from him worship other gods and then they have a consequence so hopefully they'll turn back again but you'll see through all of this that God is very forgiving and when they turn back to him that he takes them back and forgives them every time when when they genuinely turn back to him they turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked and disobeying the commandments of the Lord, they did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for him, the Lord was with the judge and delivered. So he making somebody to help him turn away from the foreign gods, but they still have choices. Okay, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppress them and harass them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. And they did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he, which is God, said, because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and it has not heeded my voice, that is his warning, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel whether they 
will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. Within brackets, I have God turned his back on the Israelites who chose to worship idols, but he took pity on them until they turned back to, and he took pity on them until they turned back to false gods. Judges 3, verses 7 through 11 says, So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Ashtoreth, where the anger of the Lord was hot against them. Wait a second, I want to make sure I'm not reading the same thing again. No, that happened in Judges 2 and in Judges 3. So this means they keep doing this. Of course, sometimes it's a generational thing, like one group at this period did it, and another group, you know, of uh, the descendants did it, turned away from God too. So I'm start again, Judges 3, verses 7 through 11. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherah. Therefore, the, Lord, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of the Kushan Rishathayim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Kushan Rishathayim eight years. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The spirit of the Lord came upon him and he judged Israel. He went out to war and the Lord delivered Kushan Rishthaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over Kushan Rishthaim, so the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othaniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 15 goes on to say, And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, went and defeated Israel, and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ahad, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, and a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. So God saved them again. Okay. The, within brackets, I have the Israelites made choices where they went astray two times in this passage, but when they prayed, God had someone deliver them from their enemies both times. Judges 4, verses 20, no, verses 1 through 3 says, When Ehud was dead, the children of Israel did again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Herosheth Hagoyim. You just have to know I'm. Um, Praying my way through these words, and I'm not sure how to pronounce them, and I apologize if I'm not pronouncing them correctly. I'm just doing the best I can. And the children on Israel cried, the children of Israel, sorry, I had a typo, of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Chapter 4, verses 22 through 24 goes on to say, And then, as Barak pursue, pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to them, Come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he had went 
into her tent. There lay Sisera dead with a peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel, and the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Within brackets, I have the Israelites chose to turn away from the Lord and ended up under King Jabin until the Lord saved them when they cried out to him. Judges 5, verses 30, verse 31 says, Thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord, let, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength, so that the land had rest for 40 years. Verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1 says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered him them into the hand of Midian for seven years. This is a side. But if you notice that... They're doing well, they had rest for 40 years, but whoever was, they had turned when a prophet or ruler that God had helped them refocus and turn back to him. And and when the, that person dies, this is kind of a repeated pattern, when that person dies, then they go back to following the abominations, the false gods, the idols of the people of surrounding areas. and. Anyway, so verse 1 said, I'm going to repeat it again. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Verse 6, no, chapter 7, verse 7 through 10 goes on to say, And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God, of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the land of the, the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you, and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but have but you have not obeyed my voice. Within brackets, I have the Israelites had rest for forty years because God rescued them from their enemies. But they chose to go back to their evil ways. Their consequences, their consequence was to be put under the Midianites. When they cried to the Lord, he sent a prophet to remind them of what they've done, but rescues them again in the next portion, which is what I'm going to read right now. Judges 6, verses 12 through 16 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, which is Gideon, and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why then has this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and has delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he, which is Gideon said to him, which is God, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Within brackets I have, Gideon wonders why the Israelites are suffering under the Midianites when God saved them from Egypt, but was told that God had selected him to save them. Also within brackets, I have God wanted to show the Israelites how he protected them. This is for the lead into the next portion. Usually I have my 
um, comments and analysis at the end of the pass each passage. Um, but every now and then there it's better to be in the front, in my opinion, because it explains what's going to happen. So God wanted to show the Israelites how he protects them. He tells Gideon that if he allows all the Israelites to fight the Midianites, they will think they won by the number of their large army and not know it was God who saved them. So God had Gideon thin out the large army and only had Gideon take the 300 men, lap water like a dog, in order that this small group of men could conquer the Midianite soldiers. And the Midianites had a large group of soldiers. That way, the people would know that the Midianites were overpowered because God was protecting them from the oppression of the Midianites. Okay, Judges 7, verses 2 through 7 says, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has served me. Now therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people, this is the Israelites, returned and 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you and the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he, which is Gideon, brought the people down to the water. And the Lord God said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 3,000, no, 300 men. Nah, I read it wrong. The people who got on their knees was to were to go back to the camp. And the number of those who lapped like a dog from the water were supposed to go with him. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. And again, I have the intro to this. I mean, the, my observation in the beginning. Since Gideon was still worried, God had Gideon overhear a dream a Midianite shared with another soldier. So Gideon knew God was really going to allow him to overpower the Midianites, which they did. Judges 7 verse 15 says, then his companion answered and said, well, let me give you a backstory on this. So Gideon's saying to God, how am I going to know this is going to happen? You know, there are a large, uh, amount of soldiers and how are our 300 men going to overpower them and God said you know trust me and God has Gideon who sneaks up and overhears the Midianite who shares a dream and this is it this is okay then his companion answered and said this is the Midianite's companion answered and said this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon the son of Joash a man of Israel into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream of its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hands. Chapter 7, verse 18 goes on to say, When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you go 
Also, blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, The sword of the Lord in the Gideon. Verses, uh, chapter 7, verses 20 through 22. Yet says, Then the three companies blew. So he divided. This is inside. He, I try not to put all the verses because there's like lots of chapters that have all this stuff sometimes. So I try to condense it and have the crucial parts. But I don't want to leave you in the lurch. So I give you the backstory when I think it might be important. So Gideon divided the people into three companies. So 100, 100, 100. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the, and they have within brackets, ceramic, some kind of pottery pitchers. And they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 blew their trumpets. The Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled to Beth Acacia towards Zerreah, as far as the border of Abel Mahola by Tabith. So, this is inside. So, God had those 300 people fight these thousands and thousands of Midianites. They didn't, they just broke these ceramic pitchers and blue horns and the, all the soldiers of the Midianites fled. And then the uh, 300 small group of people was able to overcome the huge armies of the Midianites. Okay, Judges chapter 8 verses 22 through 23 says, the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us, both you and your son, and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Chapter 8, verse 28 goes on to say, Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted their heads no more, and the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. That's within brackets, I have God had Gideon save the Israelites from the Midianites. As you know, the pattern is when one of them dies, it seems like they get led astray easily by the neighboring people who worship false gods. So Judges 8, chapter 8, verses 33 through 35 says, So it was, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel again played the harlot with the bells. And I have within brackets because I'm trying to explain this. When they say, when God has it in the Bible where it says it plays the harlot, it means they went astray to false gods. Okay, and made Baal Bareth their God. The children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side, nor did they show kindness to the house of Jerobabel, which I have within brackets, that's another name for Gideon, in accordance with the good he had done for Israel. Chapter 9, verses 22 through 24 goes on to say, after Abimelech had reigned over Israel three years, God sent a spirit of ill will between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech, and the crime done to the 70 sons of Jerobabel might be, should say settled, but I have settled, which doesn't make any sense, so forgive me, I don't claim to be perfect, or a perfect typist. I just Try to fix it so it makes sense if you look it up on the internet. Okay, Jerobabel, 
might be settled and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them, and on the men of Shechem who added him in killing of his brother. Chapter 9, verses 53 through 57 further says, But a certain woman dropped an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me a woman killed him. So his young man thrust him through and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man to his place, that God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech, which had done to his father by killing his 70 brothers. And all the evil of the men of Shechem, God returned on their own heads, and on them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerobabel, which is another name for Gideon. In brackets, I have Abimelech killed his 70 brothers so he could be ruler over Israel, but God had a consequence for this. Judges 10, 6 through 7 says, Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So the anger of the Lord was hot against them, hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. Chapter 10, verses 10 through 16 goes on to say, And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you because we have both forsaken our God and served the Baals. So the Lord said to the children of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites? And from the people of Ammon and from the Philistines, also the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Mayanites, and oppressed who oppressed you and cried out to and you cried out to me. And I delivered you from their hands, yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress. And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. Within brackets, I have God asked the Israelites why they chose to turn to false gods because he had delivered them from the oppression so many times. Maybe they should cry to the false gods instead of to him. They turned back to focus on the true God, and he delivered them. Judges 11, verses 29 through 33 says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, J-E-P-H-T-H-A-H, and he passed through, the, through Gilead and Manasseh and passed through Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. So Jephthah advanced toward the people of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he, which is Jephthah, defeated them from Aurora as far as Minith, 
20 cities into Abel's Parim, Paramim, with a very great slaughter. The people of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. I have within brackets, God listened to Jephthah's prayer and rescued the Israelites from the people of Ammon. But God doesn't ask us to make vows as, as Jephthah did. God hears our prayers and our vows are not and vows are not necessary, and he doesn't ask us to make sacrifices like Jephthah did. Within brackets, I have this as an introduction on this time. God's angel let them know that they would have a son, Samson. They didn't realize he was giving he was given to them from God to help defeat the Philistines who had oppressed the Israelites. Judges 13 verse 1 says, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. So God's planning to, this is a side, to save them. So he has Samson born because he later saved them from the Philistines. Okay, chapter 13 verses 6 through 7 goes on to say, So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and he his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God. Very awesome. But I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to this to the day of his death. Chapter 13, verses, verse 24 further says, So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. Chapter 14, verse 4 continues, but his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he, which is God, was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Chapter 14, 19, verses 19 through 20 continues on. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon him, which is Samson, mightily, and he went down to Ash. Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men, took their apparel and gave the changes of clothing to those who had explained the riddle. So his anger was aroused and he went back up to his father's house, within brackets I have because he found out that, which makes sense with the rest of what I'm going to say, it just seemed like it would make more sense this way. And Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. Judges chapter 15 verses 12 through 15 says, But they said to him, which is Samson, We have come down to arrest you, that we may deliver you into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said to them, Swear to me that you will not kill me yourself. So they spoke to him, saying, No, but we will tie you securely and deliver you into their hand, but we will surely not kill you. And they bound him with two ropes and brought him up from the rock. When they came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting against the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, which is Samson, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands, and he found a fresh jawbone, jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it and killed a thousand men with it. Within brackets, I have the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson mightily, and he killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass because they had oppressed Israel. Within brackets, this is intro to the next part. Samson was tricked with, and the locks of his hair that produced his power were cut off. He was imprisoned and his eyes were put out. He prayed and asked God to return his strength one last time for the loss of his eyes. And he pushed the pillars down that supported the temple with lots of Philistines who were killed. Judges 
chapter 16, verses 19 and 23 says, Then he, she, which is Delilah, lulled him, which was Samson, to sleep on her knees, and called for a man, and had him shave off the seven locks of his, which is Samson's, head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he woke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he, which is Samson, Samson did not know the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. And they bound him with bronze fetters. I think that's like locks, armbands. I'm not sure if it's something on that order. And he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hairs of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon there. God and to rejoice and they said our God has delivered into our hands Samson our enemy chapter 16 verse 25 goes on to say so it happened when their hearts were married that they said call for Samson that he may perform for us so they called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them and they stationed him between the pillars Chapter 16, verses 28 through 30 further says, And Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars, just like columns, which supported the temple. And he, so he's underneath with his hands on the columns, and the people are all sitting above him. It, you know, um, lots and lots of people. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself underneath him, braced himself against them, one on his right and the other on his left. Those are the pillars. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. He was asking God that. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death. Or more than he had killed in his life. So if he killed a thousand with a jawbone of an ass. And he killed other people along the way. That were Philistines that had been oppressing the Israelites. That means he killed more than a thousand people that time. But that's not. You know it says more than he killed in his life. So I know he killed at least a thousand before. So it's more than a thousand at this time. Okay. First Samuel verse 7. Now, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 2 through 6 says, And so it was that the ark remained in Kerjath-Jerim a long time. It was there 20 years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. So, aside, this is the part of the covenant where they kept the Ten Commandments. And, and it was not, it was, I think it's, yeah, it's with the Philistines instead of with the Israelites. And they're lamenting that it's with the Philistines. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the foreign gods and the asterisks from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. So the children of Israel put away the bowels and the asterisks and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. Within brackets, I have Samuel tells the Israelites who had turned away from the Lord to turn back and he might protect them, which he does. And end of bracket. 
And they fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Chapter 7, verse 8 goes on to say, So the children of Israel, Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. Chapter 3, verses 10 through 13 further says, Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come any more into the territory of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Within brackets, I have Samuel told them that if they put away their foreign gods and chose to serve the Lord, he would deliver them from the Philistines, which God did. First Samuel chapter 8, verses 6 through 10. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. Now therefore heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them, because God quite often has warnings for them so they know what choices they're making, and they'll know there'll be a consequence if they don't follow the Lord. Anyway, he asked, Samuel warned them, and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. Chapter 8, verses 17 through 19 goes on to say, he, within brackets I have the new king, will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servant. Then you will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Within brackets, I have Samuel warns the Israelites that if they demand a king instead of letting God lead them, what the consequences will be, but they still chose to have a king. First Samuel Chapter 12, verses 7 through 25, when Samuel says, Now, therefore, stand still, that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Israel, and your fathers cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt, and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord, their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazar, into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jerobabel, Benin, Jephthah, Samuel. He's, they're given a list of all the people he's not all the people, but a lot of the people he sent that Jerobabel was Gideon. 
and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Amorites, came against you, you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us. Then the Lord your God was your king. When the Lord your God was your king. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandments, so he's having Samuel warn them, if they follow the Lord, he'll be with them. Even though he's not happy that they chose another king instead of having God lead them. But if they follow him, that he will take care of them. So if you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue to follow the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain, that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for us, your servants, to the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins the evil for of ask, the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear, you have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing, for the Lord will not forsake his people. For his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Samuel reminds, oh, within brackets. Samuel reminds the Israelites of times they turn against the Lord and turn back to him and how God sent someone to rescue them from their oppression. They are told that if they and their king choose to follow the Lord, and all will go well for them and what the consequences are if they don't. 1 Samuel uh, chapter 15 verses 21 through 23 says, Moreover, the Hebrews who were the Philistines before that time who went up with them into their camp from the surrounding country. They also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. And Jonathan's King Saul's son. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth Abin. Within brackets, I have the Lord saved the Israelites when they battled against the Philistines. Within brackets, this is the lead-in to this one. The giant Goliath challenged the Israelites who would have been the servants of the Philistines if Goliath had won the fight against them. On God's behalf, David as a youth took on Goliath to defend both the honor of God and the Israelites. 
1 Samuel, verse 17, verses 44 through 51 says, And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, this is what David's saying, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then and the Philistine is the giant. I mean, he's the one that David battled. Then David put his hand in a bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on the face of the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and the and with a sling and a stone and stuck the Philistine, struck the Philistine, I apologize, and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his, which is the Philistine, sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Verse Samuel 28, chapter 28, verses 17 through 19 says, And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Before, therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Within brackets, I have the spirit of Samuel tells Saul that God is going to give the kingdom over to David because Saul chose not to follow God's order. Second uh, Samuel, verse 12, chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Says, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have also given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. And you have taken his wife, which is Bathsheba, and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Because he was intimate with Bathsheba while she was still married to Uriah. And um, I'll just read what I have here. I'm sorry. Within brackets, I have, after all God had done for David, David chose to have the husband of Bathsheba killed because she was pregnant with David's son while she was still married to Uriah. Okay. Those are the Old Testament chapters that I am analyzing right now of times where there was a consequence where somebody was killed 
before they died or that it was foretold that they would die if or be under oppression of a different country if they worship false gods. So within brackets, this is further analysis, but it's the rest of what my focus was. How do we know that God so loved the world that he gave us in Jesus Christ to save us? Think about it. How could the exact things done to Jesus be predicted all these hundred plus years before his birth? If it weren't for God, the Father, having prophets write these predictions down to be included in the Bible. God knew that some would doubt, so he left us biblical evidence. So we know Jesus is truly the Son of God by fulfilling these predictions. This one is prediction in Psalm, which is the Old Testament, about Jesus being God's Son. And God's letting David know something he will say to his only begotten son, Jesus. I will declare the decree the, old, the, the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. And that's from Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. The New Testament proof this prediction was fulfilled. God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. That's from Acts chapter 13, verse 33 in the New Testament. Okay, next is predicting a virgin will bear the Son of God. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land that thou abhorrest, which means hate, dislike, shall be forsaken of both her kings. That's from Isaiah in the Old Testament, chapter 7, verses 14 through 16. The New Testament proof of the prediction being fulfilled. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. That was from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is a plot to betray Jesus is predicted, is predicting the 30 pieces of silver Jesus, Judas was given to betray Jesus is used for the potter's field. And I said unto them, if ye think good, give me my price, and not, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price, 30 pieces of silver, is the price of Jesus, because he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said to me, cast it in unto the potter, a goodly price that I was priced of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. That's from Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 through 13. This is in the Old Testament. This was all predicted. The New Testament proof of the prediction being fulfilled. And they consulted together and brought 
within the potter's field to bury still strangers in. Therefore, that field had been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfillment what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was prized, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. That's from Matthew chapter 27, verses 7 through 10. This predicts Jesus' disciple Judas would betray him. Yea, my known familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. That's in the Old Testament, Psalm chapter 41, verse 9. This is more than just New Testament proof of fulfillment because this particular Bible passage shows Jesus knows full well he's going to be betrayed by Judas. Who else could do that but God's son, Jesus? When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. This is at the Last Supper. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was one leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. This is an aside. That the one leaning on Jesus' shoulder, chest, was John the Apostle John, not John the Baptist. John the Baptist had been executed before this time. Um, but this is the Apostle John, and he speaks of himself in third person. That's how I know who it is. Anyway. Uh, Simon Peter therefore motioned to him, which is the Apostle John, to ask who it was whom he, which is Jesus, spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he, which is John, Apostle John, said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped him. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to, he, which is Jesus, gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him, which is Judas, then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he, which is Jesus, said it to him, which is Judas. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, By those things we have need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he, which is Judas, then went out immediately, and it was night. That's from John 13, verses 21 through 30. More New Testament proof of the prediction fulfillment. And while he, which is Jesus, was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately he, which is Judas, went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, which is Judas, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid, they, all the soldiers, came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. That's for Matthew 26, verses 47 through 50. This predicts that Jesus will be beat and spit upon before they crucify him. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. That's from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 6 through 7 in the Old Testament. The New Testament proof of the prediction fulfillment. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, that means beaten, kind of like the cords with, 
things on it, like, I don't know, kind of barbs or stones or something like that, but it's terrible. And he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor told Jesus, took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him, off from him, and put his own raiment, that was clothing, on him and led him away to crucify him. That's from Matthew chapter 27, verses 26 through 31 in the New Testament. Within brackets, I have Jesus knew he would have to go through all of this in order to save us from our sins so that, the, so that believers could have salvation in heaven with him someday. If it were me and I knew people were going to spit on me, mock me, and beat me, it would have been a real game changer. But Jesus went through all of this anyway, knowing all of this in advance. Next, predicting bystanders would divide Jesus' clothes and cast lots for his coat. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. That's from Psalm chapter 22, verse 18. The New Testament proof of the prediction being fulfilled. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. That's from Matthew chapter 27, verse 35. Next predicts the piercing of Jesus' hands and feet when they nailed him on the cross. For dogs have compassed me and the assembly of the wicked have, and I have enclosed within brackets, me, they pierce my hands and my feet. That's from Psalm chapter 22, verse 16 from the Old Testament, the New Testament proof of the prediction fulfillment, the same day Jesus arose from the grave. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. Oh, so this is after uh, he had risen from the grave. So this is Easter evening. And, and this is the proof for that. I just want to make sure you know. So I'm going to start again. So, you know, oh, I already said the same day after Jesus rose from the grave, but it's in the evening. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the middle of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have the flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. That's from Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 40. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, it was predicted that Jesus, what Jesus would say on the cross when he died for our redemption. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? That's from the Old Testament, Psalm chapter 22, verse 1. The New Testament proof this verse was fulfilled is in Matthew 27, verses 45 through 46. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Next is predicting Jesus wouldn't suffer corruption. In other words, his body would not rot. 
For thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to seek corruption. That's from Psalm verse six, chapter 16, verse 10. The fulfillment of this verse is in John 20, verses 25 through 29, when Jesus chose himself to the disciples a second time after arising from the grave. This is a whole other time, and I'll tell you the, how long it was in, in the middle of the passage. The other disciples therefore said to him, which is Thomas, we have seen the Lord. So he, which is Thomas, said to them, unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, so this is eight days after Easter. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. And then he, which is Jesus, said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Within brackets, I have, you've heard all these predictions of Jesus being the only begotten Son of God, his birth, betrayal, death, and resurrection, and the fulfillment of these. Here are some additional noteworthy passages, so you're not led astray by those who would try to dissuade Christians from believing in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is when Jude forewarns, these are in the New Testament, Jude forewarns us, of those who are trying to lead believers astray from the love of God and Jesus Christ his son. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto saints, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning to the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's from Jude, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. So he's saying that there are people that take the about Jesus Christ being our savior and they turn it around to make it sound like it's not true instead of worshiping the Lord. And it's because they've tried to dissuade other people. Jesus Christ, God's son, washed our sins from us when when we died. Washed our sins from us when he died and arose from the dead. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's from Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. Jesus tells, this is within brackets, Jesus tells John Actually, it wasn't within brackets. I'm putting brackets. I'll make it more clear. Okay, Jesus tells John the book of Revelation. I just meant to say it was what I put, but I just put in brackets so it's clear to those that get on the website. Tells John in the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the telling the Apostle John. 
they should stay strong, hold fast, and repent because Jesus comes like a thief in the night and the believers undefiled shall walk in white with him and Jesus will not blot out their name from the book of life but will confess their names to God the Father and they should focus on what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast this Received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few, few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their, that means a few people in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white, which is white clothed garments. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. And he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. That's from Revelation, chap Revelation chapter 3, verses 2 through 7. Within brackets, I have, after all my research analysis, I have determined that it is very consistent that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us but had consequences for some people's choices where they died. Still within brackets, God gives them and us choices. If we worship the Lord and follow his statutes, he will provide for us and support us. But if we choose to turn our backs on him, he will turn his back on us. Of course, that doesn't mean that we get to have steak every night when we follow him or the desired job that we want. But God will be there with us through the good things and the bad. So within brackets, much in the same way as it says in Deuteronomy 7, 16, also you shall destroy all the peoples from whom the Lord your God delivers over you. Your eyes shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that will be a snare to you. So God doesn't want anyone to lead people astray. So it has consequences, so they won't do it, you know. Um, he makes it so... They think, well, heck, I don't want that. I'll follow the Lord like I should. But somehow the neighboring people rub their beliefs, rub off on them, and they kept being led astray. But when he, they come back to him, he forgives them. Okay, within brackets, I have, why is it significant that God gave his only begotten son to save us? Romans 6, 23 says, for the wage, wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 John 4, verses 9 through 10 says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God had sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him in his love, in this love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us, and he sent his Son to be the propitiation or substitute for our sins. 1 Peter 1, verses 17 through 21 says, And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves through the time of our stay here in fear, knowing that you are not, were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your, your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. 
also within brackets, not only do I base my analysis on all the predictions that about Jesus in the Old Testament and the fulfillment in the New Testament, but also on the following Bible verses. When he, which is Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove, lighting upon him and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's from Matthew 3, verses 16 through 17. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John, which is that's John the Baptist in the Jordan, which is the Jordan River. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's from Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. You might notice that, see, they sound almost the same. That's because they are almost the same. And I have this, so you see that there are different witnesses. And then there are some people that interview other witnesses and put their testament, your eyewitness testament in the Bible. So you know there are people that saw these things. Are they word for word the same? No, but they're very similar. It's just like, if any two people saw an accident, they would paraphrase it and put in their same words. And I mean, put it in their own words. And that's what the, the disciples did. You know, they put it in their own words, in their point of view, and they shared it. But it's so that you know these things really happened because there were witnesses to this. And they shared it in the Bible. And actually, there's not to this particular part, but there's witnesses that saw him and saw him after he rose again. And it's in non-christian kinds of things they have some historic records i heard this in uh, um, some of the videos from jay warner wallace who's a cold case detective and has he approaches the bible in that same way and determines whether things are credible and has found that there are non-christian documents in the history of that you know within the city and that era historical documents that tell of Jesus rising again. Other people saw it and it's documented and saw the different miracles that he did, and that's all documented. Okay, so I need to get back and focus. Um, let's see, the next one is from Luke 3, chapter 21 through 22. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus all also was baptized and while he prayed the heaven was opened and the holy spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him and a voice came from heaven which said you are my beloved son and you i am well pleased and john which is john the baptist bore witness saying i saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him which is jesus I did not know him, but he, which is God the Father, who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen, and I, John the Baptist, have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, John, which is John the Baptist, stood with the two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And that's from John Chapter 1, verses 32 through 36. Now, here's more evidence at Jesus' transfiguration before he's betrayed. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, 
This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. That's from Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. And that's from Mark 9, verse 7. And while he, which is Peter, was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. That's from Luke chapter 9, verses 34 through 35. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But this is Jesus is saying. Now, I'm going to read it again because you didn't know that. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And that's from John chapter 12, verses 27 through 28. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That's from Second Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 17. Remember John 3, verses 16 through 20, where 21, where Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. My, within brackets, I have my advice. To you is to follow Jesus, the light of the world that can lead believers to salvation in heaven with him someday. All you have to do is help me, Lord. I believe you're my Savior. You say anything. He, he, you don't have to say it out loud. You just say it in your heart, and he will help you, show you what you need to do. There's no formal something. You just need to pray to God and, and tell him that you believe Jesus is your Savior. Anyway, and share this with others who might benefit from it, please. Thank you. I want you to know that since this is an example of the positive influence God has made on my life through the Bible, this podcast that I shared with you may not reflect all of the whole meaning of the Bible verses and passages I have shared. They're just how this particular Bible verse or passage related to my life and how it makes the Bible more personal to me in my daily walk with Christ. Thank you for joining us at Relate to the Bible. I look forward to you joining us next time where you will hear more examples of how you can relate the Bible in ways that are especially meaningful to you.